Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we are talking about The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 8, the season finale, Redemption. Who doggy? Ooh, and boy, what an episode this was. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say up front, what a satisfying season finale, you know, end of this first season. It yeah. really went out with a bang. Yeah, it's uh, really nice that they ended it the way they did because it still gives you the cliffhanger, obviously, for season two, which I heard today uh, has already been greenlit by oh, yeah. uh, John Favreau. It sure for has. Fall of 2020, so next year about the same time we'll be talking about mandalorian again and i'm excited yes but uh yeah it's like the way they tied everything up and it was a what 46 47 minute episode yeah roundabouts a little better they could have done i think the pacing throughout it a little better but there's a lot of fun stuff to to talk about in that so yeah i no i actually thought the pacing was really well done i thought the whole episode was great and, yeah, there um, wasn't a lot of slow points. It was pretty action-packed. So one thing I wanted to mention was that, you know, that first scene was so hilarious between the two stormtroopers that were on the speeders. Oh, that is, I think that is like the funniest <laughs> bit of Star Wars cinema we've had yet. That is, it re- really reminds me of the old Star Wars fan film, Troopers, where it was like the show Cops, but with <laughs> Stormtroopers, and they sounded like they were from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see that? I, I never did. But oh no, my that's... god. Just go Google it. Go on YouTube. I'm sure it's up there. But it reminded me so much of that. And well, what's it called? It's just called Troopers. Just Troopers. Mm-hmm. And I think it even starts with the bad boys, bad boys, <laughs> what you gonna do? But it just reminded me of that. And if you didn't know, uh, one of those uh, troopers was Jason Sudeikis. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to watch it again for a third time. But that was that was such an amazing way to begin the episode. Yeah, it was so funny because it's like you never see, you know, mm-hmm. much from the stormtroopers you know, in their real life. This is like a day in the life of a stormtrooper, and they're sitting there <laughs> da, 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 talking about how Moff Gideon came in and murdered half of his own men. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like they had that whole conversation where he's like, I get the point that he's making. Do you get the point that he's making? He's like, yeah. Yeah. He just and wants the, to see The it. one guy just wants to see Baby Yoda, and <laughs> yeah. it, it won't shut up, so he keeps smacking the bag. That was so hilarious. Oh, man. You just hear him going, and then uh, IG-11 shows up, and I'll yeah. tell you what, like, every episode I see so many elements that just say loudly for anybody that knows anything about it, this is a Western. Like, that shot where mm-hmm. it's like the low shot from the ground, and, and then the, the troopers are in. little, and the foot comes in, that is straight out of an old Western. Right. And that was amazing. And then he, and he's like, you a hunter? He's like, no, I'm a nurse. Or whatever. <laughs> now I pound you to death. And then he just wastes those stormtroopers. He just it was takes amazing. that one's hand and just turns it around uh-huh. like 360. Like, and then, of course, you know, like we were saying, he basically goes in and uh, pulls, pulls their asses out of the fire. I mean, he doesn't 100% save them, like, right away. But he does uh, cause a distraction. He does cut uh-huh. down, like, tons of those stormtroopers. Yeah, that was so sweet. He's just flying through the, the town, and he's just, you know, perfect aim, just knocking down every stormtrooper. Shooting them by. all down, and then, like, the, and then cut to the little baby Yoda going, wee or whatever. Yeah, um, Oh, laughing. I wanted to mention, the in, from that first scene with the troopers, 
I thought it was so. And by the way, Taika Waititi directed this. If uh, you know, if you didn't realize, but yeah. um, I'm sure you can see it. But the thing is, in that first scene w- before Ig shows up, they're like trying to shoot that like can on oh, the ground, yeah. and they can't hit it. <laughs> that was the best yeah. nod to the whole joke of like stormtroopers can't aim. <laughs> yeah, the um, guy like looks at his gun and shakes it, holds it up to his <laughs> yeah, ear. Yeah. It's not the gun, bro. It's not the gun. <laughs> So anyway, I just wanted to mention yeah, that. Yeah, like I said, that first five minutes was just perfect. Yeah. And hilarious. that, you know, it's like, it's it's just, this episode showed once again why it's such great Star Wars. I mean, it has all these nods to things that we know from the original Star Wars movies and things like the Stormtrooper can't, you know, they right. can't aim anything. But it, it brings its own life to the Star Wars universe. And I, I think that that's something that Star Wars needs. Yeah. And this is why this is my favorite Star Wars content that's not the, you know, like the original trilogy or whatever. Like well, yeah, it's movies. like with the Rise of Skywalker. Now, hopefully, we're, it, we're done with the Skywalker saga. I mean, it's great, you know, the nine movies and all of their influence, but... I think it's time to time to move on and explore some of the rest of the worlds, you know. Yeah, galaxy. yeah, and I, I think that there's a lot of uh, potential for them to explore, you know, other places in the galaxy and other characters and things like that. And uh, that's the other thing that this show has done really well is it's given us some really cool characters. I love um, the Mandalorian and the Baby Yoda, obviously. But uh, Cara Dune, Gina Carano's character, she's really grown on me. Yeah. Um, actually, I mean, I've kind of liked her from the first, you know, episode that she was in. But it's because I think that it's because a she's such a badass. Yeah. B it's not just that though because she's not very good looking. Not at all. <laughs> well, she is. That's I mean that's nice and everything. But I mean just in terms of her character, I I think. There is some depth there. I mean, she's yeah. an ex-rebel shock trooper who decided to, like, hang out on this, like, planet in the middle of nowhere. And then she decides, even though she really doesn't want to, like, get involved anymore, as soon as the Mandalorian says, we got to get rid of these Imperial dudes, you know, on planet Navarro, she's like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You know, and, you know, you can tell that, you know, whatever her failings are she's at heart a good person because she doesn't want to leave Mando when he's injured and she's you know on the right side of the anyway all I'm saying is cool characters and you know so many reasons why this episode shows you that it's just great Star Wars and a great show period yeah and we also learn a couple names in this episode and her full name is Kara Cynthia Dune oh I didn't even catch the her middle name interesting yeah well it's, it's I just Googled it, and it's actually Kara Cynthia is one word. Oh, okay, Kara Cynthia. Interesting. Cara Cynthia. So Kara is just like Beth instead of Elizabeth. Hmm. I think but Kara that, Dune is also just a really cool name yeah. for a character. It has, the, it has some kind of rhythm that just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Sounds good. But um, this episode, I, I tell you what, so... Yeah, so then IG-11 saves them, and of course we we finally get to see... The Mandalorian's face, Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah, and it's because like that—that that whole scene. He gets real mm-hmm. wounded in that fight uh, with Moff Gideon and stuff. And yeah, I think it's he gets the the most wounded when Moff Gideon shoots that transformer or whatever it was, and it explodes right. and just knocks him on his ass. Yeah, and then Cara Dune's trying to take care of him, trying to take off his mask, and he's like, "Oh no, no, no one has seen 
no living thing has seen my face since blah yeah. blah blah. I mean, he is he is a Mandalorian to the end. You know, you yeah. gotta you gotta respect the man's creed. And I thought it was nice that they just came out and said explicitly that, you know, the Mandalorians are not a race; it's a creed. Right. Which we had kind of discussed in the earlier episodes. Yeah. But I think that to make that explicit for people just casually watching the show is nice because then they, you know, people just get a greater understanding of what's going on with him and, you know, and his his people. Uh, and, you know, the creed that he follows and his, you know, sense of honor and everything. And so anyway, that, I don't know, that was actually a pretty poignant scene between him and IG mm-hmm. where he was ready to just, you know, die rather than have his helmet taken off and somebody see his face. But then IG yeah. reminds him, I'm not a living thing. Yeah. And at first he thought IG was going to kill him. He's like, okay, let's get this over with. Right, right. You know. It, it's interesting because he was constantly mistrusting the droid and you can understand why. You know, given his given his past with them, yeah. <laughs> and first, you know, when they make contact, and he hears the the baby Yoda over the radio, and IG says Kawil is uh, has been terminated. He's like, "What did you do?" Yeah. Um, and then later, when you know the the whole mask scene or the helmet scene, he's like, "Just get it over with." And it's not until after that that he really starts to actually trust the droid a little bit. Right. And then that scene in the tunnel when he when IG is about to sacrifice himself. And Mando's basically like, you don't have to do this. And the droid's like, you don't have to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sad. I'm not sad. He's like, yes, you are. <laughs> I'm a nurse droid. I analyzed your yeah. voice. You are sad. That was hilarious. And it's of course, like, damn, you got me. Yeah. And of course, if anybody's forgotten, IG-11 is uh, Taika Waititi, uh, right. his voice. Yeah. But um, anyways, yeah, so that that was great. And it was cool to see his face. It was interesting, though, that, you know, when the helmet comes off, He's like bruised and beaten and oh, yeah. bloody under there, and uh, he also looks like a little bit skittish, yeah. you know, because yeah, he hasn't taken his helmet off. Yeah, and his hair does look about as uh, greasy and unkempt as you would expect <laughs> you would for someone that wears a helmet twenty-seven hours a day. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this this episode really flowed. One event just flowed into the next one very, like, very, very Not easily. Not unlike a lava river. Not unlike a lava river. Speaking of which, you know, when they get down there, actually, yeah, well, when they get down there, you know, there's that R2 unit, like, in the in oh, the, yeah. the boat or whatever it is. Like, first it, you know, seems broken or whatever, and they get in, but then it, like, stands up and it has arms and legs. I was like, yeah, oh, I know. okay, I like, that's oh, new. this is going to be awesome. They're going to have to kill it or it's going to join them or yeah. what's going to happen? No, it's just the fairy man. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem like it was especially smart. It just kept kind of, like, pushing the fairy down the lava right. river until they shot its head off. Yeah. Um, Not a good listener. Yeah. I also thought it was, there's so many, like, funny moments in this, too. Like, when IG hands Cara Dune the baby, and she's like, "Uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't do this. (laughs) I thought uh, the whole scene, you know, they start off still on the standoff in that uh, bar or whatever it is. Uh I just thought it odd that Moff Gideon, first of all, identified them all, and then he's there to capture them and or kill them to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it weird that he gave them till nightfall. Well, I, it was like, uh, it was like the Mandalorian said, if he'd already had the baby, they, they'd already be dead. So right. he was just giving them time to stew over it and reconsider because he needed them to find the baby at that point. 
Yeah. Right? So you notice once they actually have the baby and they're inside the building again, he says, burn him out. And the guy goes in there literally, basically just to kill them all with fire. Right. And, uh, of course, the baby Yoda sees that things are bad and he uses his, uh, you know, big force powers. And you can see, well, you know, the Mandalorian has seen, you know, the, his him using the force before, but the other two were just like... Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were and it just was pretty wild. cool. He just like pushes all the fire back and then he does mm-hmm. like this little little like flick, flick of, of his wrist. wrist. Yeah, a little <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the guy goes flying out on fire. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That was that and was And then great. he goes to sleep because he's sleepy sleepy. <laughs> yeah, he just falls over. <laughs> um but yeah, that was um man, every every scene in this was just a killer scene, I thought. Yeah, you know, at like what, even when they're on the when they finally get onto the uh, the ferry in the in the lava tube, there's like a couple conversations there that were like really intense, you know, because he sees that they're you know they're gonna get ambushed, right? And then IG is like, well, I'm gonna have to you know go blow them up, sacrifice myself. Yeah, and then he and then he walks through the lava. That was so dramatic. Yeah. I gotta say, I am just, I am really pulled into the story of this show. I think, you know, when I gave it, when we first talked about the first episode and our episode, and we kind of did our recap and discussion about it, mm-hmm. I rated it a 12 out of 10. And I, I am sticking to that after seeing the whole season. I, I can't think of a single thing in this season that, that, that disappointed me. Now, I understand that some people were less than happy that there were a few episodes that didn't focus on the baby yoda you know client story arc right but i really don't i i could give a shit let me just put it that way i was happy with what would happen in those episodes in the sense that i was supremely entertained it was great star wars it developed you know the character relationships he got to uh meet more you know characters that he could recruit at some point and I think it was important, like we were saying, I think was it in the last episode or maybe a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how if he had like left the planet after those first couple episodes and then come right back, it would have felt a little bit weird. Like why right. would he just come right back? He kinda had to go, you know, try and make it out in the the galaxy without his bounty hunter's license, you know, and stuff for a while and be on the run. And I found that to be, you know, really satisfying that whole part yeah. of the story and plus they had to introduce the other characters you know like Cara Dune she's gonna be around for a while uh Grief Karga he's cool well he was in I think the first episode yeah he was in the very first too. episode but but um know, he just has to assemble his his people yeah and we've already seen two of them now bite the yeah. dust Oda IG and uh yeah Queel yeah, and I love how, you know, at the end, Mando flies off with the baby Yoda, and it's literally the same exact shots of when he was a kid getting carried away in his right. flashbacks. Yeah, that's you know? the one thing, too. The flashback early on, they cut to that when they're stuck there in the in mm-hmm. D's diner or whatever. And, uh, well, that's, they yeah, sh- it's, uh, they intercut that with him explaining that he was a foundling and that yeah. b- and being a Mandalorian is a creed and yeah, all and that. They, and I, mm-hmm. his parents put him down in that little thing. And then there's the explosion, and then we get the uh, next shot is of well, the robot comes and aims at him, and then yeah, the it robot gets destroyed, comes and, he and the explodes. Mandalorian comes and waves yeah. him out of the cellar thing. Yeah, it, 
when I first saw that, I was like, oh my god, it's Boba Fett, here we go. Well, it did have the same type of helmet as Boba Fett, right, in the sense it had that little stuff. thing on the side. But then he pulls him up, and it's I not, realize yeah, it's it not Boba, Boba Fett. Fett, and I'm glad for that. <laughs> well, you know, Boba Fett also is not a true Mandalorian. He has Mandalorian armor, but he does not follow the creed. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, so probably because it wasn't written for him. (laughs) Well, I don't know, you know, Django's entire story, but you know, he also died when Boba was just a kid. And so he didn't get, even if Django had been a real Mandalorian in terms of following the creed, then, you know, Boba wouldn't have had all that training after that. So he's, you know, basically just got some Mandalorian equipment, but he's not actually a Mandalorian. So it didn't surprise right. me that, that wasn't him, but it did have a similar helmet. But, you know, my son, who's three years old now, was watching some of this episode with me because, you know, it's... Got to get him started soon. <laughs> right, right. But um, we were sitting there and that point where he, the Mandalorian pulls the kid out and, and holds him. And then, like, you see all the Mandalorians just, like, shooting down all the droids and kicking yeah. butt. He goes, yay! <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool... That was yeah. a cool moment. The only Star Wars he's seen so far is um, just that this part of that episode. And um, he watched the end of Return of the Jedi with me. Yeah. I have this great video of him afterwards where he started just talking like an hour later about what he saw in the movie. And he was like, the robot stomping with the feet. And like, <laughs> it's just yeah. the cutest thing. And then occasionally, like if he asks to see a show with spaceships, I'll put on uh, the animated uh, series Clone Wars. Nice. Which is fairly, you know, family-friendly and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, it's perfect, too, because it's sci-fi, it's Star Wars, and by the time he's 10 years old, he'll probably know as much about Star Wars as you do today. (laughs) Or more, even. And that's good parenting, as (laughs) far as I'm concerned. Exactly, exactly. I I can't stop gushing about this episode, and I kind of feel bad about that, because I want to be more critical (laughs) in general. But I honestly think that this is not just good... Star Wars, not just great Star Wars, but it's actually great television. Yeah. I I really believe that. It has this magical, like, it's caught lightning in a bottle, to be honest. You know, it's, it seems like, as we've said before, it's really unifying the fan base. Yeah. It seems to be what the fan base can agree is good Star Wars. You know, I mean, not everybody likes the show as much as me, and that's fine. I don't care. But what I... What I am enjoying about it is that it does seem to be unifying the fandom in the way in a way that the movies haven't. And I actually think that it was impossible for the movies to do that, as you know, as I've said before. But now that we have new characters, you know, and this new show, and you know, we're not following the Skywalker saga in this show, you know, it has the potential for people to really love it because they don't have so many preconceived. Uh, notions of what it needs to be for them personally right it's just kind of growing and turning into its own thing and uh, i'm really glad we're at the point where everybody can uh, appreciate that you know i it does make me wonder if in the next season there are going to be a faction of the fandom breaking off and saying ah this isn't as good as the first season and they should be doing this instead of this like i don't know how much to what extent that'll happen and i'm not really looking forward to it yeah there will always be you know people that aren't happy with it but you know hopefully we can continue with the you know unified uh, fandom with the mandalorian yeah and it's like like you said it's like it's unifying people more than the movies did the fan base and it's like my brother up in canada he just took his son to go see uh rise of skywalker and 
you know, you and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I told him, yeah, we, we liked it. Thought it was pretty good and definitely worth seeing in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his son walked out of the theater and they both were like, huh. <laughs> and he said, I give it a five. It, it honestly five. makes me wonder what people wanted to see and how the movie differed from that. Right. Because when, so the approach that I take, and as we've said before in this podcast, I mean, part of the premise of our show, Mecha Dragon, is the fact that, like, I live in Los Angeles and I've worked in the entertainment industry and I've worked on films and things. And you're more of the everyman sort just in terms of the point of views that we bring to the show, you know. Yeah. Like you live in the middle of a cornfield in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Corn <laughs> corn fed as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in Ohio too, which is how we know each other, but like mm-hmm. this is kind of the point of views that we go come from. And so I tend to be more forgiving toward the filmmakers and come from a place of like understanding the difficulties they had in like bringing the thing to the screen in the first place. Right. More of a technical view. Well, you know, I'm also a writer and so I'm very, very deep into like the story craft of it all and, you know, how it all fits together and like yada yada and so forth. So point being, when I look at those movies and I, you know, see problems, I'm like, well, you know, it had those problems, but it's kind of hard to get out of that situation without some sort of problem. You know, I, I just tend to be more forgiving of the filmmakers and to kind of see it from that point of view, too, um, yeah. in addition to being, a, you know, like a huge Star Wars geek. So it makes me wonder, like, when these people come out of the movie saying, God, I hated that. Now, it's been, you know, a couple years since The Last Jedi, and so that there have been so many conversations about that that I have a better sense of like what people hated about that movie. Right. But in terms of this last one, especially since it seemed to move really far away from the elements of the last Jedi that were, that a lot of people hated. Yeah. Right. That for that reason, it makes me wonder like, you know, what was the movie that you wanted to see? I honestly want to know, I'm not being derisive or anything. I honestly want to know what, they expected or what they wanted to see or how the movie fell short. Now, I now for most people, they just go see a movie and they kind of go by how they feel and they give it, you know, like an A or a C or whatever it is. Right. And they call it a day. And that's fine. And they don't think any further on it. But it just, I, I really do wonder, you know, maybe we can get somebody on uh, to talk about. <laughs> when do you get a Trekkie on? Well, I also, <laughs> I kind of hate going through YouTube and looking at videos where people, you know, pile on the out- outrage after outrage about how they felt about it. Because, right. frankly, a lot of those channels, that's all they are, is outrage. And I hate that. Now, it gets yeah. clicks. It gets engagement. But I think that the way uh, that allows things to go viral is a failing of the way that companies like YouTube and Google program their algorithms. Yeah. Um, honestly. But... It's it's hard because, like, you know, uh, there's a couple channels that I've stumbled across because they keep getting suggested in my feed or whatever. And then you go and you look at, like, the list of all their videos, and there's not, like, a single one that says this thing that I'm covering today was cool and good and I liked it. It's just right. everything is awful. Yeah. And I don't want to <laughs> – I just honestly don't want to subject myself to that, like, that level of negativity. Yeah, they're just the basis. bah humbug. Yeah, type of fan who that's looks... that's not to say that they might not have some good points in there somewhere, but yeah. if every single thing that they post is outrage, then they're not being objective about it. 
You know, right. they, they might have some good points in there, but it's also in there with a lot of manufactured outrage. That's that's how I see it. I'm sure there's a lot of channels that are not like that and, and have a more balanced or objective, like, point of view. But anyways, that was kind of a rant. But like suffice, it. suffice it to say that I just want to know why people All this like negativity it. makes me so angry. Yeah. So, so since we're <laughs> actually supposed to be talking about The Mandalorian... That just came out of the thought that, like, well, are we going to get to that point with The Mandalorian in, like, season two or three or five or something like that? Well, and a lot of that, too, is, you know, dependent on the writers and directors. I think for season one, the selection of uh, writing and directing has been spectacular. Look, if next season, it's going to have largely the same talent attached to it. John right. Favreau is still going to be running the show. They'll probably get Taika Waititi to come back and do an episode. You know what I mean? They're going to have the same writers. They might like add an extra writer or two, like something <laughs> That'd be like awesome that. If he just plays a different Star Wars character every season. <laughs> it would be kind of awesome, wouldn't it? Like another IG unit or something. <laughs> or um, a person or, or maybe even himself. Yeah. You know, but it just human form. I guess the, the fact that like you have the divided fandom, uh, with the movies makes me like it's giving me a little bit of anxiety about that happening with the Mandalorian and frankly I have to disagree with you that it's well to an extent it is based on you know the choices that the filmmakers make but if we're talking about the same exact people that did this first season that everybody loved so much and then suddenly you start getting a bunch of hate from you know certain quarters or even if it's just like a small you know minority of the fandom like it just makes me wonder again, like what the problem is. Yeah. Anyhow, so that was my that was uh, Captain Will's rant about yeah. the divided Star Wars fandom, and hopefully no, I'm, that I'm won't. Still, I don't mm-hmm. really care what other people think. At the end of the day, it's about how I feel about it. Yeah. And so far, like you said, you rated this as a twelve. I thought you might even said twelve point five, or maybe it was just twelve out of ten. Nah, I said twelve. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, I said by the end of the season, we'll see. How mine's gonna change, and I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna put it right up at ten. I'm not gonna you know mm. break wow. the wall. I'm not gonna break the wall like you did. <laughs> and just make numbers up. I give it a seventy five thousand out of two. <laughs> but uh, no, I think far, overall it, it is a great it's a great season. It's a great new taste of Star Wars with some familiarity. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's definitely in the Star Wars galaxy, and it feels like that. You know, it's got the different species from Star Wars. It's got a lot Mm -hmm. of the, it does have that sort of grunginess from the original, you know, movies. So all the Western stuff that we talk about, like that stuff is in the original Star Wars movies too. Right. You know, it's samurai movies and Western movies kind of, you know, influencing this pulpy, like serial sci-fi, you know, adventure, but it's... at least, I guess in The Mandalorian, you have that stuff too, but it is, I think, more of a Western or like a samurai movie yeah. uh, than it is the, the like this, the uh, sci-fi adventure. I mean, it has those elements too, but it's a little bit more focused on the Western stuff. And I just think it's great. Let's talk a little bit about the end and what it sets up. For the next uh, for the next season, do we want to talk about the armor? First? Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to get to. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So when they so first of all they come into the covert, right mm-hmm. uh, in the sewers where the Mandalorian stayed, and like for, for, when they first come in, it's dark. I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I figured it would be abandoned. But then when he sees all the armor and the helmets like piled in the middle of the floor, 
Yeah. That was a gut punch, man. Yeah, I was like, oh, they all got murdered? But then uh, they're sitting there talking, and then we hear a voice in the background, and a familiar face walks into the room, and it's mm-hmm. the armorer, played by, is it Emily Swallow? Emily Swallow. Yep, and uh, she's a badass character. So badass. <laughs> so and, badass. Uh, she comes in, and she's just there trying to clean everything up. She's melting all their armor back down into ingots to transfer to wherever. Yeah. And yeah. start over again, and she tells us that basically all of the, uh, what's it called? They're, uh, it's not a clan. Well, so she was a li- she was actually kind of vague about what happened because I get the impression that some of them were killed, uh, some of them potentially took off their armor, but that seems less likely, and some of them escaped. Well, she said they, oh, I can't remember what word she used. They exposed themselves or. The way she well, said they it, did. yeah, they exposed um, themselves, and then more imperial troops showed up, and then this happened. Yeah, and, and he asked if any of them survived, and she said uh, she'd like to think so, and she said, you know, maybe some of them got away. Yeah, so I, I'm sure that some of them did, and and that's weird, I because <laughs> throughout the whole series we see, and like we mentioned too, the first five minutes where they're shooting at that can on the ground or whatever, the stormtroopers aren't. Elite forces. I mean... <laughs> yeah, but when you have, like, 500 of them. Yeah, 500, but then again, they were in that bar up there. They went down through the grate into the sewers, and they did five minutes of traveling, and it took the stormtroopers, like, half an hour to catch up to them. You know, it's like they're just taking their time. Buh, 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 buh. Well, first and they didn't, you know, I'm sure if they... If you weren't... had all of those Mandalorians all together... I would think there would have been piles and piles and piles of stormtroopers just littering that whole sewer. Well, you know, we the fact is we didn't see what happened. Right. And so all we know is that uh, that pile of armor is left and that according to the armorer, some of them probably got away. Yeah. You know, I don't have any problem believing that, you know, stuff happened. I don't have to explain it you know, every, every bit of it right now. I just, yeah. but it was a shocking moment. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure we'll probably see some of those, uh, that have lived. They might, uh, come in. Oh yeah. Maybe I'm in sure. season two and yeah. with their special secret. But handshake. so, you know, I like that, you know, he was able to like restock his munitions and stuff. And then like, right. it was great when she says, you know, show me the one for which, you know, so much destruction, uh, needed to happen for him to be safe. And, and she's like, this is the one that you, you know, took the contract out on and then saved? And he was like, yeah. And then he goes, also the one that saved me from the mud horn. And she does like a double take. I don't know if she literally did a double take. Well, he said also the, the one that saved me. Right. And she's like, oh, from the mud horn. And I think he said something else. Yeah. But he saved him again. She just had like the, the way she like turned her head and the tone of her voice in that moment was like, that's the Mandalorian equivalent of a double take. Right. And then she goes over and she makes his signet and puts it on. And it's a really cool like image of the Mudhorn. And she says, you know, she basically tells him, you know, until you reunite this child with its kind or, you know, it's fully grown, which, you know, is probably going to be after his entire lifetime based yeah. on how fast it's grown so far. Yeah. You are as its father. Yeah, and he was he was a little reluctant <laughs> at first. He's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he ultimately took it up because this is the way. It I was funny raise though. This kid till it's the equivalent of 
18 and I'll be 94. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, I thought it was so cool the w- the way we get a little bit of the Jedi lore in there because he tells her, you know, it can move uh, it can move things with its mind. And she says, I know of such powers. You know, in the olden days, our people fought a group of enemy sorcerers called Jedi who could wield that power. And then they talk for a second, and he goes, wait, you want me to deliver this <laughs> to <laughs> to a bunch of enemy sorcerers? <laughs> and right. she's like, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> but that was that was awesome, and it was cool that, they, that we got a mention of the Jedi, but mm-hmm. it also shows – see, this is one of the other world-building things that I like. So it also shows that, like, at this point at least, you know, the Jedi are, like, semi-myth. In the galaxy. Well, that's something I wanted to bring up and talk about too, because Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi and before The Force Awakens. Yeah. So I mean, this galaxy has been dealing with a huge war. And then oh, yeah. there was the Clone Wars, and there's before Order Sixty Six. Yeah. And it's like this isn't in that far of the past. I think this takes place like five, four or five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but at that point, I mean, Luke was the only Jedi, right? And before, the, and before Luke, I mean, it had been twenty, you know, twenty some years since uh, he was born, which was the time that the Jedi were wiped out, right? So this all, I'm, you know, if you think about it, this all happened like the um, when the you Mandalorian, were in middle school. <laughs> right? Well, the Mandalorian was. You know, in his lifetime, he never saw a Jedi, never encountered a Jedi. You know, if he was raised in sort of this insular group of Mandalorians, that wouldn't have been something they were concerned with, except, you know, if he'd ever read any, like, ancient history. Because let's talk about the Darksaber. Oh! So, of course, first of all, that fight scene with the TIE Fighter was amazing. Yeah, that was cool. When he uses his jetpack... And he hitches a ride on the thing. First of all, I was like, whoa. What did <laughs> the armor guy. call it? She says, have you been trained in the ways of the phoenix? Was was that what it was called? I I actually I missed it. Well, yeah, I caught on to it because but it's phoenix his used to be my nickname on the internet. <laughs> right. My handle. But it's his jetpack, and he that was a bold move. And he takes down a fr- – it's like you see the expression on Cara Dune and Grief Karga's faces when – in that shot where the, a TIE fighter goes down and crashes their, like – their jaws are, like, just hanging open. Yeah. And then he lands. He just the took down a TIE fighter Mando. by himself. Yeah. What a badass. So, yeah. But then, you know, after he leaves and he literally flies off into the sunset with the baby right. Yoda. That and was see, that's, great. That's one thing, too. Even in the beginning when the Mandalorian – that rescued him as a child was flying off and he's holding the kid. I'm like, you better not tuck your feet around too far, kid. Cause those little <laughs> jets on the back of that thing, there's just so many problems I could see arising from <laughs> know, a technical right? logical standpoint. <laughs> it's know. like you wear a cape, bro. Your cape goes down to your ankles. What are you going to do? I'm going to put it over my shoulder. <laughs> yep. You know, and then this yep. billowing cape and these flames aren't going to cause a problem at all. Well, you know, thank goodness they didn't. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> So so then, of course, the, you, you got the Jawas trying to strip apart the crashed TIE fighter, and then something happens, and he cuts through the wall. And at first, I was like, oh, does he have a vibroblade? Because those well, are you, a thing in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, you heard the... Yeah, but it did sound an awful lot like a lightsaber. And when yeah. he comes out, and you could see that the blade was black, and it was actually not a... Because, you know, lightsabers are basically just a stick. They're just like a straight rod 
right. of light. But this was actually shaped like a sword. Like yeah, it had like, like a curved blade. And then that was when I realized, I was like, holy shit, it's the Dark Blade. So this Dark Blade has a long and storied history in Star Wars lore. So it is an ancient and unique black-bladed lightsaber created by Tara Visla, the first Mandalorian ever inducted to the Jedi Order. Uh, that sentence I just read from Wikipedia. And uh, this actually happened over a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin, which was the uh, the Death Star they blew up in A right. New Hope. So, so he was... So basically, he was a Force-sensitive Mandalorian that was taken to train uh, as a Jedi. And then he created this Darksaber. And after he died, uh, after Tara Vizsla died, the Jedi kept it in their temple. And so during the fall of the old republic so we're talking about revenge of the sith time period and afterward okay a bunch of members of house visla went in and stole the dark blade during you know this conflict with the jedi and their house passed it down generation to generation so then like in mandalorian history darth maul sets up like a puppet government on mandalore and these new mandalorians are pacifists and they replace like the warrior culture of the of old Mandalore. You go from and, having a double bladed lightsaber to pacifism. Come on. <laughs> and then by twenty one before the Battle of Yavin, so twenty one years before A New Hope, Pre Vizsla owned the the dark saber, and he was leader of the Death Watch, who at some point was taken over by Darth Maul. Then for a long time, Darth Maul had the dark blade, and actually like it's like there's a lot of sh stuff that happened with him like Darth Sidious comes back you know the emperor and he uh captures Maul takes him prisoner and then he's rescued and then he gets the dark saber back and then he's attacked by General Grievous's army in which Maul during that battle makes use of the dark saber against Grievous and then you know he used it uh, a bunch of other times and then during the empire the rebel named Sabine Wren got it, stole it from the Night Sister lair on Dathomir, which is where Darth Maul is from. Right. Right. And then she trains with it under the tutelage of Jedi Knight Kanan uh, Jarrus. And uh, later she brings it with her and her companions during a mission to Crownist. She's uh, on a mission there, has to do with her family. And then she apparently becomes the rightful wielder of the Darksaber after she defeats Viceroy Gar Saxon in a duel. And a bunch of stuff happens, right? And she ends up handing it over to a guy named Bo Katan Cries. Mm -hmm. And she believed that he was the rightful person to lead the Mandalorians against the Empire. And then at some point after that, it comes into the hands of Moff Gideon. And we don't know that story yet. Hmm. So that sort of tracks the the birth and, you know, life of the Darksaber from, like, over a thousand years ago until it gets to Moff Gideon. And, of course, we know that Moff Gideon, uh, from this episode, the Mandalorian, said he was, like, an I am an Imperial agent of some kind on Mandalore. Yeah, so I'm, we probably will get the story of how he came. I would imagine, the yeah, they'll peel back the onion a little bit. But he is but... such a evocative villain. Well, he is now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I love that actor, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, that's what I'm he's saying. He's amazing. Just, you know, we fell in love with him in Breaking Bad. He was just so evil. And he's <laughs> also very cultured and well-spoken. So 
It's like the whole time he's yeah. got him trapped in that bar or whatever, and he's talking to him. It's like he already has all of his cards laid out. He knows everything he needs to know about those three. Well, it shows that bar. he's a very careful guy, right? Like yeah, he did his homework. You know, and he obviously, so he was the one behind, you know, the client, Werner Herzog's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, he is being really careful. And he obviously wants this baby Yoda for some reason. Yeah. And goodness knows what he knows about it or if he knows where it came from. But, like, you know that he's going to be chasing the Mandalorian in season two as the Mandalorian now has this mission to find out where the baby is from and and where its people are and, and to return it to them. Right. So that'll be a really interesting journey in, in season two. And, uh, you know, Baby Yoda is probably going to stay very baby-like, considering yeah, it took him 50 years him just to get growing, to this point. Growing much bigger. <laughs> I mean, it took 50 years to get to nine months old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't even walk that good yet, so. Yeah, so it's... Uh, uh, and the baby Yoda actually had some fun things to do in this episode too. Like, of course, he used the Force against the fire. Right. But then, like later when the Tie Fighter attacks and and Karga is like, "Dude, the, the magic hand thing, baby, do the magic hand," and then he just, <laughs> just like waves going, and he oh, goes, yeah. "Hey, <laughs> <laughs> goo goo gaga." Yeah, I don't know. I, it was like a perfect episode for me. It it really was, and yeah. I, I I like that they brought that dark saber into it in the end because that makes canon. A whole bunch of lore, or at least parts of all that lore that, you know, we just talked about that I think wasn't necessarily canon anymore. Like, it used to be part of the old books and stuff, and now it's part of the legends. I'm not quite certain whether it, uh, like, any of that was in any of, like, the animated shows. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I really haven't seen all of those yet, unfortunately. Yeah, I gotta watch all of them. Nope, actually, so I'm looking at the sources and the appearances now. So actually, it was in the Clone Wars, so a lot of it is canon. Uh, It was in Star Wars Rebels. It was in some Darth Maul stories, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. Those are books. Okay, I love this Wikipedia thing. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But uh, so in any case, what are your final thoughts about this episode? Oh, it's, I agree with you totally. It, uh was a great episode. It ended the whole season very well. All the characters, we got to learn more about them. We got to see Mando's face, learn his name. Did we mention his name? Uh, Din Djarin? Yeah, I mean, we we had heard that name in previous episodes, but this was the first time that, you know, those other characters heard it, for sure. When when did he say his name before? Uh, like in the first or second episode, I think. I'll have to watch that again. Yeah, I'll have to I, go back and look. I thought it was a I think I'll mystery. definitely be watching these episodes again at some point. Oh, yeah. No, this is definitely a show I'm going to watch over and over. Just because it's so cool. And it is such a great... You know, the Mandalore, the bounty hunter character, is such a cool character mm-hmm. from way back when. And it, it <laughs> still hasn't lost that, uh, that feeling that it, it gives you. And even yeah. my kids, you know, they're like, his new armor's cool, but I liked it when he was all beat up and, you know, <laughs> dented and stuff. Well, and yeah. I said, well, you'll probably get to see him like that again. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of this episode, he was, he, he took a trouncing. He did. He, did. he had like some scoring marks on his armor mm-hmm. and like he was dirty and dusty and, yeah. you know, that was, it was such a great episode. I mean, yes, he is an amazing warrior. So is Cara Dune, Grief Karga, you know, nobody to shake a stick at, but like, 
what keeps them underdogs is the fact that the odds are always stacked against them. Right. Always. I mean, come on. They were coming at him with a freaking TIE fighter. They're yeah. in a little boat with a baby. You know, <laughs> he somehow... In lava. Yeah, in lava. Yet he uses this, you know, new jetpack and he goes up. That was that was awesome that he yeah. took on that TIE fighter. Like, that's not something you do if you have any other options. Yeah, <laughs> you know at, what at I mean? first, you know, he put the... He was going to put that one uh, detonation device on, and it fell off. And I was like, yeah. oh, great. Oh, luckily, <laughs> he's got, like, three more. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, <laughs> And then he jumped off. And those harness uh, seatbelt systems and those TIE fighters have got to be fantastic. <laughs> right, because... Because I don't think anyone has died yet <laughs> yeah. by crashing one of those. <laughs> that was, And he was spinning all the way down, too. Yeah. It's like we've seen it happen how many times in the franchise? But, uh, yeah, my final thoughts, I mean, this was a great final episode for a really great season. And even though, you know, I had obviously read about this show when they announced it, you know, before it came out, and I was looking forward to it because I love Star Wars, I did not expect the level of awesomeness that this show brought us. I mean, I had great trust in Jon Favreau, and I heard Taika Waititi was going to be involved, and they cast Pedro Pascal, but, like, wow. Yeah, overall, it was, like I said, the acting, directing, uh, writing, everything, the, you know, visual appeal of the show, it's all there. It's, it's yeah. a fantastic show, and uh, it's like I had mentioned to you earlier about my daughter and her involvement with Star Wars. And, yeah, didn't uh, you say she was telling you some stuff about the Darksaber? Yeah, you mentioned the Darksaber. I was like, oh yeah, my daughter uh, was mentioning some stuff to me too, and you're so like, oh, she like. Your- she like it really into Star Wars now? Well, here's the thing. We when we started The Mandalorian, the kids and I watched the first couple episodes, like the first three together, mm-hmm. and they thought it was awesome. My son loves Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, she likes it too, but she was like, hmm. And then halfway through the season, she's like, you know what? I just don't like it as much as you guys. I guess probably I'm not into Star Wars as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Last Jedi. Or not Last Jedi, but uh, Rise of Skywalker comes out, and I take her to see it on Thursday night, you know, the day before it was even released. I don't know how mm. that works, but uh, <laughs> we went to see it, and she lost her mind. She loved it. She thought it was fantastic, and since then, uh, her and her brother have watched all nine movies of the Skywalker huh. saga. Well, all eight, because I saw it in theaters. But uh, they watched all the previous eight movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Star Wars Battlefront 2 oh, on yeah. the Xbox. She saw my son playing that the other day. She's like, what is this game? He's like, oh, this is <laughs> Battlefront 2. She's like, I need to play this game. So my son just got an Xbox for his birthday a month ago. So I ended up buying them Battlefront. And they spent the past week playing Star Wars, watching Star Wars. And now she's all That's like great. looking up looking up all the history of the Black Saber, and she's like, oh, yeah, it was blah, 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 And, Parenting you know, she said, right. I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm into Star Wars that much anymore. And her mom said to her, uh, sometimes it seems like all you're into is Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's true. Uh, Mandalorian and uh, Rise of Skywalker have brought my teenage daughter back into the fold so to speak and i am really looking forward to more of the star wars we're gonna see we got the obi-wan kenobi show in the works oh yeah that's gonna be cool and a rogue one show 
I heard about. What? No. I That's what I heard. There was a... I'll have to look it up. We'll address this in a future episode, people. All right. Well, I'm going to just speak <laughs> rumors because that's what I do. Yeah. Let's see. I was on this webpage. But I, I'm i glad that we agree about the greatness of this show. And uh, I think it's so awesome that somehow, you know, Rise of Skywalker brought your daughter more fully into the fold. Right. Um, I think we should talk about that at a later date. But, oh, yeah. um yeah, I think those are our final thoughts. And I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in once again to Mecha Dragon to listen to us rant and rave about The Mandalorian. It was definitely a lot of ranting and raving on my part this time, <laughs> at least. It's about time. Yeah. But um, it's been Let fun. The hate flow and uh, you. yeah. If you have uh, a second, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and or rating. We are still doing our Star Wars giveaway of the uh, Darth Vader comic series. So once we hit five uh, five-star ratings there, we will be giving that away to uh, one lucky person who gave us a five-star review. So if you do that, make sure to send us a screenshot of, uh, of your review. And uh, you can email that to us at mechadragonshow at gmail.com. Uh, Jess, do you want to give them the rest of our uh, social media? You know I do. You know I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Nerf Herders, Ewoks, lovers of Ewoks, unites. If you are looking to find us on the internet, you can do so at mechadragon.net. All of our podcasts are listed there. And as far as podcasts, if you use any sort of podcast app, you should be able to find us on it, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google, the list goes on and on and on. Facebook. We are Mecha Dragon on Facebook, and we are slowly gaining steam there, so jump on the train and ride with us. Twitter and Instagram, we are Mecha Dragon Show. So find us there, follow us there. And mechadragonshow at gmail.com is where you can email us with questions, comments, corrections, topics, anything you want to talk about in the future. We're looking forward to hear from you all. Yub nub. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and may the force be with you. Always. Always. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org, slash licenses, slash buy, slash 3.0.